All right. Hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this episode of Tea with Taylor. I have my managing broker and mentor. He's the owner of Inspire Realty Group, Chris Davis here. Hey, guys. We're going to kind of go over how he got into real estate investing and hopefully provide you some valuable insight. So his office is located at 111 Douglas Avenue, downtown Elgin. It's a beautiful office. If you're around, come check it out. So anything else you want to say to begin about Inspire? Really? Welcome to Inspire. <laughs> We've been around for like a year and a half. Um, thanks to Taylor. She was a humongous help uh, getting the business started. And uh, it's been a pleasure working with her. And now she's interviewing me. Yes. And so how did you get started in, like, what were you doing before real estate? And then how did you get into doing real estate? I actually work construction uh, right out of high school. Worked for 15 years. Worked for a general contractor. Um, and watched a bunch of TV shows years ago about flipping. And so I finally got, uh, really just kind of just jumped in um, <laughs> and flipped my first house. And um, the story kind of goes on from there and just that kind of just started my real estate career. And so you started with flipping. Did you, how did you come, you were obviously in construction. So did you have a team from where you worked before and they started working with you? Or how did you get into doing your own flip, assuming you didn't do it just yourself? I actually physically worked on my own flip when I first started. Um, Which I is good because then you, obviously he was in construction, but then he knows the ins and outs of what the work needs to be done while doing flip. Yes, absolutely. So I wasn't able to do everything, but um, I did sub, sub, sub some things out. But I also did a lot of the work myself um, and that kind of got me started, got my got my feet wet a little bit. Um, but then as obviously as I progressed, um, you know, we started hiring uh, everything out just because you're always out looking for houses and it kind of got to be too much. But uh, but now we have different crews that are, are on the flips and you know, uh, we have our own management that does the rentals also. Mm -hmm. And as far as you started in flips and then you started doing rentals as well and becoming a realtor. So what, why did you start? Why? What made you make the decision to become a realtor? It's a lot of steps there. Um, so we got it. So I got into flipping, and I got my real estate license because I thought it would help me um, in order to get properties and find properties. Um, I'm not saying that's not true. Yes, it does help to an extent, uh, but um, I did figure out very quickly that I was able to make money being a realtor. Um, so being a realtor is more my, you want to call it day to day job. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously flipping is another day to day job. Rentals is another day to day job, but, uh, but being a realtor is, 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 is a great tool to have. I think, um, even if you're an investor, it does give you, I think a slight advantage, especially if, if you're well tuned to the market, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're always on the MLS, you're seeing what's out there, you know, the price ranges, um, that you're in as far as the areas I should say, um, comps and things of that sort. Um, so it's kind of really helped me out through my career. But, and what does your day-to-day -day look like? My day-to-day -day is crazy. Uh, On the phone, 24-7, earpiece, yes. Yeah, you're starting, my day starts at like 5 a.m. every morning. I'm not necessarily on the phone at 5 a.m., but at least going through emails and things of that sort. Um, of course, you do have uh, people that are texting you at 6 a.m. Um, and it never stops or calls never stops until nine, 10 o'clock at night, uh, sometimes even later, unfortunately, but most of the time I'm sleeping after that. But yes, it, uh, it, it tends to get quite busy. In between investing, flipping, and being a realtor, what's the most demanding part of the job? Most demanding, I think, is actually being a realtor overall. Um, I 
much rather just invest if I just had that time just to invest. Uh, but I also really enjoy being a realtor too all at the same time. So I know it kind of conflicts itself a little bit. Uh, but um, less demand on the investing side, um, I think, as far as um, your day-to-day -day goes. Um, you know, because you can just do your flips and let's just say you're just in charge of your construction sites, right? Um, your guys are showing up at 7 a.m., they're leaving four o'clock-ish and, you know, after that, either you're looking for houses or something like that, but you can really cut off your day, you know, at five to six o'clock. So you would say for flipping, you're, it's more internal, just your team, you have more control over that, where when it's a realtor, you're dealing with so many different people and many people when they're buying and selling a home, especially for the first time, it's a very emotional process for them. So you have to be available to them at all hours of the day. You know, sometimes you do try and cut it off at a certain point, but it is a very demanding part of the job. 100%. Um, you know, even adding to, you know, yes, your client, you're dealing with your clients on a, on a day to day basis all day long. You're dealing with new clients on a day to day basis all day long. But it's just once you get a house under contract for a client, it's just not dealing with that client all the time. You're dealing with their attorney. You're dealing with their mortgage lender. You're dealing with the other um, agent on the other side. So you have multiple phone calls, multiple emails on one house that you have. Under so you contract. mean you don't just show people houses and do whatever you want? No, unfortunately not. Uh, you're, <laughs> it gets a little bit crazy at times, especially when you have multiple deals under contract at one time. Like we yeah. do. we're very high volume. So, um, but we also. We take that high, high volume to a maximum where we still can service our clients, um, you know, everybody equally and they're getting our, our full services. Yeah, and we, which I had the opportunity to work with Chris, so it helped me out as a new realtor. We do a lot through Zillow. So it's a little bit different than some other realtors where you are speaking to a higher volume amount of people because you're answering calls. Now, not all of those convert into actual clients, but you're on the phone a lot more. You're talking to a lot more new people. You're having, like, what would you say, is the most difficult part of any of the jobs. Let's let's talk about realtor at first. What is the most difficult part, do you think, of being a realtor? I think managing your time. Uh, managing your time is, is always very, very difficult. Um, it's just because you're, you're once again, you're, if, if you have something to do, let's just say between eight and 10 o'clock, right, and you're trying to get either paperwork done or you're getting contracts written, in between that time, unfortunately, your phone is not stopping. Either people are texting you or people are calling you, so you're getting sidetracked, and then this, your first project you were starting on is getting pushed to a later time. And then you're out showing houses from XYZ. You have a lot of last minute showings uh, that we get called on all the time. So it's very, time management is probably the most difficult yes. thing to do. And like I do quite a bit of deals and I, you know, have an issue doing that. But just for somewhat of reference, you closed about 75 deals last year? Roughly, yeah. Uh, yes. Roughly. So just imagine that. And um, I would say one of the best things, or most, not most difficult, but probably to start, and then I've gotten better as the time went on being a realtor, is learning how to talk to people in difficult, having difficult conversations in emotional situations, because you're talking with so many different people and everyone's different, so you have to tailor your strategy or the way you communicate with people to each individual client. So as speaking on that though, hang on, yeah, uh -huh. on, on that though, <laughs> our job does suck at times, um, for sure. Um, you like Taylor just said, you know, we, we do unfortunately deliver bad news, mm -hmm. definitely on a weekly basis. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it never, it never, it never, it never ends. Unfortunately, you know, it's either bad news uh, that we didn't get a property or, uh, we have to call the other agent. We have to kill a deal because 
Um, you know, number one, our client had cold feet or we found something during the inspection or whatever it is, right? You know, our job is also, we're trying to keep everybody happy, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just not our side, we wanna keep both sides happy, right? Because you're also building that relationship with that other agent. Um, and so it's always very difficult to give any type of bad news, but um, yeah, it never changes. <laughs> And a lot of times the bad news, not all the time, it's out of our control about what's going on. If it's their loan or if it's something with the inspection. So we have to figure out a way to take responsibility for that because we are the agent, but not blaming ourselves for the deal not working out. So if you had to pick, obviously you like both, between investing in Realtor, which do you enjoy more and why? I personally like investing better. Um, really both on the rental side and on the flipping side, to be quite honest with you. Uh, once again, I can definitely control my hours a little bit better, um, but that goes into the next thing too, is as far as rentals go, you know, once again, you are on call 24 seven, uh, having rentals. Um, but I have it down to a system now, if I do have a problem at a rental property, let's just say anything that happens, right? You got a leaky faucet or something like that. I mean, stuff happens all the time. Um, it is a quick phone call, you know. So now you have guys, you have like a team that can go and run and do that for you. And as far as investing goes, what does your portfolio look like? Mind you, now we started nine years ago-ish, somewhere right in there. Uh, started off with one rental and now we're up to somewhere around 77, 78 doors. Um, we are into multifamilies. Um, I enjoy that a little bit better than, than the single families. Um, mm -hmm. I did get started in single families um, and then I kind of progressed into the multifamily world. Um, I think you... According to my numbers, you can make a little bit more money into the multifamily world. Um, but I mean, multifamily, small multifamilies, two units. What's the largest building you have? A six unit building. Mm -hmm. That is the largest. Uh, one five unit and all the rest are two, threes and fours. In most of your buildings, you've kind of found a niche. You like the Elgin market and you try and keep them close. For one, you learn the market, but then two, everything's closer together. You're not driving an hour for one property if something goes wrong to another hour. Is that part of your strategy? That is. Uh, it does make it easier for me to manage that way. Um, I would say the entire portfolio was roughly within, I would say, a five mile radius. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of, it, it does sum it up. So it, it is pretty easy when there is issues or you're doing multiple projects on rental properties, things of that sort, that you can you know, run to each one. And you started, you said about nine years ago. And so kind of give us a view into when you started, you had about this many buildings. And then I'm assuming as time moved on, you had equity in other buildings, you built maybe a relationship with a partner as money goes, and then how it expanded and just kind of give insight that like once you kind of get rolling, the ball ends up growing and growing and growing if you manage it correctly and run your numbers correctly. Yes, that is correct. So, you know, really though, I started when I started flipping, um, I took my profits from my flip and put them aside. And so you didn't live off of it? I did not live off of it. Even today, I still do not. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how I was able to purchase my first rental then we got into our second and third. Um, but with the rents, the, um, the profit that I actually off of the rents, okay, um, we actually still to this day, um, it goes into a bank account and it just accumulates. We do not pay ourselves off the rents. Um, and that's how we're able to buy our next building. Um, always looking to buy. Um, you know, I have a, you kind of set goals in life, right? And I have a goal where I want to be. Um, as far as cash flow goes, um, and not necessarily how many doors, you know, you can have a thousand doors, you know, and only cash flow a certain amount of money. It just, I want X amount of dollars a month cash flowing until I get to that goal, then we will continue. Then you'll relax a little bit. 
I don't know about relaxing, but uh, <laughs> but no, you continue to go ahead and, and purchase until you get to your goal. And how do you when you when you see a property either on the market? I know you buy a lot through auction, which we'll kind of touch on. How do you go about figuring out your numbers? Do you have like a bottom line? You have to at least make this much, or do you take each property as an individual? As far as the rental side of things, uh, we will not purchase a rental property. So here, let me take this one back one more other step. Uh, so we do financing, obviously, that's how we, fin we finance all the rental properties, yeah. okay? We do commercial loans only. Uh, commercial lending is, is a lot easier to get lending, especially when you make relationships with smaller banks. Um, and I've made a couple of relationships with a couple banks. And um, saying that though You is do 15 year notes. We do 15 year mortgages and we put down 25% um, of the purchase price on every single building. Of that 25%, I have to make a minimum of 15 to 20% return on my money, unless I will not touch the building. And so would you say putting those guidelines is essential to being a successful because you're not afraid to turn away from a deal even though if it doesn't hit your criteria. So it's almost like some of your best deals are the ones you don't purchase because you don't lose money. That is correct. Um, I do see, you know, you know, even in Taylor and I, we also deal with investors even on the real estate side of things. And I even tell um, our investors the same thing that I do, the same strategy, right? Um, everybody thinks that, oh, hey, I'm gonna make like $200 a month on this house, on a single family or condo, whatever it is. Um, and really you're not making, you're making like 10% or you're making 8% on your monies, which really doesn't make any sense for all the hassle that you have to go through, because it's truly work though. It's just not collecting month or collecting rent every single month. You actually physically have to work. And you're dealing with money. people. It's a very people intensive. I mean, of course, some clients are more low key than others, but they're living in your building. And unless you want a bad reputation or to have continuous conflicts with your tenants, you want to have a good relationship and you want to make sure they're comfortable living in your building because then they'll take care of your building and hopefully that's one less thing that you have to worry about when you have good tenants. Yeah, that's one thing I do enjoy too is also talking with my tenants on a daily basis. Uh, <laughs> not, maybe not so much on a daily basis, but yeah. you know, I can drive by my buildings and there's, you know, if there's people outside, I will definitely stop. Um, you know, you can always chit chat. You know, I even bought kids ice cream a couple weeks ago when uh, there was a little ice cream truck driving by as I was standing out there with them. And so that's kind of cool and that's always fun too. And all these avenues of him working in real estate, even though they're all different, they do somewhat tie together because for one, it's your reputation. Now you have your own brokerage, so that reflects on it, as well as your tenants know people, the, your clients know people, so eventually all of that will come back to you in hopefully getting a referral or maybe a building that people are thinking about listing. So it's always important to put your best foot forward and be nice and responsible to each and every person because the wor it's a large world, but a small world, and we're, words travel fast. So as far as flips and buying at auction, can you give a little bit of insight of how you do that and maybe warnings to people because you're a little bit more experienced that auctions can be very sketchy sometimes? <laughs> yes, so going to the auction, so definitely have to do your research on the properties, right? Uh, that's number one. Um, when I say research, a uh, title search. Um, when you're buying from the auction, you're just buying that particular note uh, in, which cash. Is in cash, which is a mortgage or which is a mortgage on that property. You have to make sure that's actually the first mortgage that's on the property and not the second mortgage. Um, you have to make sure that the taxes have been paid or if they have not, that the back taxes are in your numbers. Um, when you purchase in a regular 
uh, market, let's just say, you know, you're using a realtor and it goes to the MLS and you have a regular closing, you know, um, your title is, is, you have title insurance and taxes are all caught up and everything like that. There's nothing to worry about. When you're buying from the auction, you have to worry about all those particular items. Um, I have seen people that have bought in second notes, um, which now they really don't own the house because- So is that like a lien on the property? That is correct. Yeah. It's a second mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the first mortgage actually holds precedence of that property. So they really didn't buy the property. They just bought a note that just got paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, so which is very damaging because let's just say they spent $50,000 on a second note and they have nothing to show for it. Um, and majority of the time, the first mortgage does not work with that person. So with auctions, buyer beware. Um, maybe if you were considering doing an auction, maybe partner with someone who's experienced in it and offer some of your funds. And then you can kind of walk through them through that process. I wouldn't suggest buying your first property from an auction. Like he said, he has a construction background and now he's been doing it a little bit longer. So he knows what to look for. Looking at properties, what are some things that you, if you see it, you kind of avoid that property or moving forward? Um, so that's probably the hardest thing to do when you're actually uh, going through an auction, right? Um, sometimes the properties are occupied, um, sometimes they're vacant, right? Um, really shouldn't be getting into the vacant properties, but you have to, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> but, uh, but no, in all assets, um, you're looking at foundations. Follow the law, okay? There you go, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, you're looking at, at the major things right away, even going, looking at the outside of the house. Look at the foundation, the roof, the windows, um, you know, if you can peek through the windows. Uh, but in all assets, uh, it's the most expensive things, right? Foundation is probably the biggest. Um, and then kind of run your numbers backwards uh, and kind of see exactly where you're at. You know, what is your what is your sale price when it's done and finished and flipped? Um, and then minus your rehab costs and minus your closing costs and then minus your purchase. And then that's where your profit will then be. So you want to make sure you run your numbers like he mentioned that he has a certain percentage or amount that he wants to make to deem the property valuable in order to move forward. So you guys want to come up with that too. You don't want to just buy a property because you're really interested in getting to real estate because it could be a very poor decision. Um, So as far as investing and being a realtor, what are some of the biggest hurdles you've encountered or the biggest lessons that you've learned from doing, you can pick which one that has caused you the most maybe headache. Uh, the most headaches is rather than the day to day of real estate transactions, right. like something that was you learned from, I guess. Um, I guess you kind of learn my mistakes, right? Uh, kind of what Taylor was just saying be careful of what you buy. Um, you know, we've bought in houses before, or here, one in particular, which was totally out of my area. I usually didn't go into that area, and somebody brought me the deal, they wanted to partner up, and it kind of sounded good. I didn't do my own due diligence. This was years ago, but I did not do my own due diligence on it. And uh, they told me the numbers and I believed them. And then we got to the finish line. We ended up making almost zero on the property. We did not lose, but when I mean almost, it was probably lucky to make $500. So, um, so what lesson did you learn from that? To do my own due diligence. Uh, but yes, now, you know, once again, that was really when I first started um, and I've learned by that lesson the entire time and I won't touch a property unless I know for sure um, what I am getting myself into. Now, saying that though, there's always surprises. Uh, we just actually did one here in Elgin and there was no water meter 
and brought the city in to put a water meter in and their ordinances have changed different rules for different heights and things of that sort where the water meter needs to go and the city made me actually put in a new service line which was about a six thousand dollar problem that was unexpected so so that being said going into real estate whether it be purchasing a home or investing make sure you're not you have some funds like don't borrow money from family or put your whole life savings if you don't know what you're doing because you can lose money and thankfully he's experienced and it wouldn't break him if an expense like that came up like you would what a break but it still hurts it still hurts it always it hurts. hurts losing money always hurts for sure but I, I would tell anybody to instead of just flipping is, is really look into rentals themselves um i think you can be more uh that's actually how i met chris yes uh, he helped me buy my first multi-unit where i live in one unit and rent out the other and besides the updates that i've had to do i essentially live for free um now that doesn't come for free because i work for it too but I actually wanted to mention that what, if you're looking for rentals or in a normal market, because right now it's 2021 and the market's fucking insane, but in a normal market, you can kind of find deals on the MLS. I found mine on the MLS, but I suggest having a realtor that's also an investor too. So they can provide you some insight or let you know, give you an experienced opinion, not just someone who's a realtor, nothing against them, but not if it's if it's your first time you really would want someone who has the experience in investing to work with if you're looking for an investment property yeah and that that's very true so i also also find i also found probably about 50 percent of my portfolio on the rental side of things um from the mls um so it's just it's just not once again it's a numbers game it's not i like the house it looks beautiful um no you have to physically make money on it if you're gonna buy it and keep it it's business it's business, plain and simple. And since he mentioned this, so I want to actually, so talking about the government and the water meters, <laughs> what, and you don't have to go too far in depthly if you don't want to, but as far as, can you just touch on how much influence government regulation and legislation has not only on investing, but operating a business and that it's really important to be involved or be aware of the locality that you're doing business in. Yeah, 100%. So lately we've been kind of getting our ass kicked. Uh, not gonna lie, right? Um, number one, we had the pandemic, right? Everybody's been through pandemic, I get it. Uh, but it really hurt us landlords um, more than really people realize. Um, we had people not paying us rent. Of course, not everybody didn't. And pay. we couldn't take action. That is correct. So, you know, I still have tenants to this day. We're in 2021 June, right? And so we're over, over what, a year and a half into the pandemic thing? But anyways. Point being, as I still have tenants um, that are not paying in full, and I have to be super, super nice to them, hoping they're going to give me some of my money. Um, but if I say anything, they can turn around and say, yeah, I'm not gonna pay you anything right now because there's a, a moratorium right now, um, and it has not been lifted yet, so there's no evictions. Um, so hopefully they're going to lift, uh, lift that here shortly. Um, I don't have too many problems with that, or I say I don't have too many tenants with that problem, but. The issue is right now, when somebody does not pay me on the first or the second, I can't really truly go after them just yet or be hard on them like I used to be, just because I'm trying to be nice because I do want my money. I don't want them to turn around and say, no, I'm not gonna pay. And for some of you who may not be in the landlord business, just keep in mind if you are renting, that if your rent goes up, there's a good chance your rent is going up because taxes went up or there's a new fee or a new registration that has to be applied and that the landlord has to purchase 
well, they have to help make up that loss or that cost. And so it gets pushed down to the renters. So when we're looking to government to facilitate or cause more regulation and legislation, thinking it's going to help the renters and the buyers is actually an additional cost that just gets passed down to them. Um, and I just wanted to mention that because I always have to put my two cents in as far as government overreach goes. Uh, so we kind of touched on how he got into it and his process going through that, uh, investing and being a realtor. Since you are a busy guy, what impact does that have on your personal life? I know you are a father and a husband, so. Yeah, so I have three kids and I am married. Um, I'm never home, so um, that's, that's, that's not such a good thing, right? Uh, but at the same time, um, I'm learning to kind of manage it just a little bit. Um, Sundays are kind of my days where I kind of like to take off just a little bit if I can um, to spend time with the kids and things of that sort. Um, have gotten involved with, with sports with, with my kids. Uh, my, I do coach one of my daughter's teams and it is kind of nice um, that three, four times a week where I have the two hours in the evenings to shut my phone off or I call Taylor and say, hey, take all the phone calls. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, it's, it's um, this job working, well, you're basically working three jobs, at least what I do. Taylor's also working nonstop also but um i'm not as demanding but yes <laughs> but she does tea with taylor yes uh but uh and i don't have children i have a cat <laughs> <laughs> but working uh, uh minimum 10 to 14 hours a day um it does take a toll it is seven days a week uh but the way i look at it is um do it now and try to be as successful as you can and uh, when all your friends are still working when they're 50 um, and they continue to work, uh, you're going to be retired and you'll be on the beach. Um, that is the plan. That is the goal. Yeah, so that's what's next for you. Not only are you going to kick up your feet because I find that you'd be really bored. Eventually, you want to be able to at least have passive income and have more control over when you work and when you don't work. That is correct. Uh, so, yeah, so take your rentals, right? And this is the whole goal is to take the rentals, make it the, the business uh, and, and grow that business to to that goal that you want um, on a monthly basis, right? Once you have that in place, then you can you can travel, you can not just you know just sit up with your feet fit every day in your living room watching TV, but physically you can travel, you can do what you want, you can go fishing, you can bike rides, hiking, enjoy life, right? Um, it's just not all about work. I'm learning about that. It's very difficult for me because I am I, I do love the work, um, but I work do have goals. Yes, but. But I think that's just so important for those people who want the nice things. Well, you're very moderate. You're not a big spender. You're not, you're, your family's moderate, even though you might have the funds to do something, you don't spend it. And you're, you have a good outlook that if you don't spend it now, you'll have it later. And it's really true when people say, you know, the rich get richer. And the, when the more money you have, the more opportunities you have. But you had humble beginnings. You didn't, you worked for what you have and you still work a lot. And there are sacrifices as far as going out, he has children, hanging out with his children, his wife. But if you want to be very successful, if you want to be a business owner, you have to make those sacrifices and hope that in the future you'll have more leisure time. And it's up to the individual to make those decisions. But it's not easy. Like he just said, he works like 14 hours a day. So even though some people might see that he's an agent or a landlord and think it's very easy, maybe have somewhat of a nice car, your car's nice, but you know. Okay, oh, you. you know what I'm saying. Um, those things cost money and cost your time. So I want to wrap it up, unless you want to talk, touch on that at all. No, I agree with what you actually just said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, 
live always underneath your means. Um, I don't know everything out there, right? But um, I, I do try to, I, I live very frugally. Um, and um, I, I do that on purpose. Just like I said, I do have a goal where I want to be. And um, after that, it's pretty much vacation time, right? Um, but until I get to that goal, I have to, I have to work. And so um, let's not go out every single week and go to the bars and, and go buy Gucci purses and this and that, right? Um, it's live within your means. Um, and I'm not saying don't go enjoy life, but you still- In moderation. Yes, 100%. So words of advice that you have to people either in just business or if they want to get into real estate, so we can kind of wrap it up that way. Words of advice, um, keep your head down, work hard, um, don't, well, at least try not to have municipalities and government bug you all the time, even though <laughs> yeah. it really pisses us all off. But at the same time, uh, you still have to keep your head down and you have to work. Um, you can't change everything. You can change some things, but you still have to provide for yourself and for your family and um, make goals. Um, if you don't have goals, uh, you, you don't have direction. Exactly. Exactly. And I would just touch on that. Obviously, make goals and learn to learn what you can control and what you can't control and for the things you can control do your best at them because in everything there's so much around us that we can't control and that's just life so how do you stay sane uh, i drink no <laughs> i'm just joking no uh exercise for sure um i work out in the morning time uh not that anybody cares but i'm just saying yeah um it, it does it does give you that 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 it's your time type of deal and your your stress and your frustrations you got to let them out somehow some way uh i wouldn't like drink your sorrows away or, or drink every night yeah. I, I wouldn't do it but yes so hopefully you guys found this valuable if you're interested in real estate or just a perspective on someone who's achieved a lot and what it takes and the sacrifices it does to do that so thank you for allowing me the thank opportunity you. to interview and i will see you guys soon it's been thank a pleasure you. bye guys Thank you for watching that episode of Tea with Taylor. I hope the conversation with the owner of Inspire Realty Group, managing broker, and my mentor for the last four years brought you some insight and valuable information. They say that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, for the last four years, I've spoken to and spent probably the most time with Chris. Um, I live in Illinois and he's kind of taken me over his, under his wing as far as the real estate industry goes. And it's been tremendous for me. So I hope some of that information was valuable to you. And just keep in mind of how important it is who you surround your, yourself with, who you listen to, and who you learn from. So, if you did find that video interesting and informative, I have another video called House Hacking where I provide information as to how I got into house hacking and I live in one unit and rent the other and I live for a very modest amount as well as I have another interview with one of my friends, Nate Gould, who is a loan officer on how to get pre-approved for a loan and some of the insight on the loan process. So if you are interested in either of those videos, check them out. Thank you for watching. And if you found value from any of the videos, please consider sharing. I greatly appreciate it. And God bless. I wish you much health and success. Again, thank you for watching.